Chesapeake Bay Watershed Implementation Plans, or WIPs, are developed by the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in collaboration with the various jurisdictions whose watersheds feed into the Chesapeake Bay, Delaware, Washington, D.C., Maryland, New York, Virginia, West Virginia, and of course, Pennsylvania. There have been two WIP phases so far, the first tied to a 2017 deadline and the second to 2025. And now we're moving into a third phase. Kristen Wolf is the Chesapeake Bay Program Coordinator with the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection. And I'm pleased to welcome her to our show today so that we can learn more about the plans and how they'll impact counties, local communities, farms, businesses, and families in our region. Kristen, thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. There are many layers and moving pieces to the watershed implementation plans. So I'd really like to start with a look at the big picture. Kristen, the Chesapeake Bay watershed is huge, but can you tell us a little bit about Pennsylvania's share of the Chesapeake Bay watershed? Certainly, Cheryl. So I'll start with, I think the thing we hear the most is people are often surprised to learn how much of Pennsylvania is in the Bay watershed. In fact, almost half of the state, state land area, which is about 14 million acres, falls within the Chesapeake Bay watershed. That area includes all or part of 43 of our 67 counties, and it's home to over 4 million people, 1,200 communities, and about 33,000 farms. That area also includes both our Susquehanna and our Potomac River basins. Uh, that, that's over 49,000 miles of rivers and streams. The Susquehanna River, in fact, is the largest tributary to the Chesapeake Bay, and it provides over half the total freshwater flow to the bay. Over 12,000 miles of streams and rivers in Pennsylvania's share of watershed are impaired by non-point source or runoff pollution from both agriculture and urban or developed sources, and that falls in the forms of nutrients like nitrogen and phosphorus, as well as sediment. So it's crucial, Cheryl, that we work to restore the health of our local waters so that Pennsylvanians can continue to enjoy their benefits today and in the future. So really this effort is not just for the Chesapeake Bay, but more so for Pennsylvania's local waters. A healthy watershed supports Pennsylvanians' daily lives in many ways that they may not often think about. And that includes providing clean drinking water supply, serving our enormous agriculture and recreation econo economies, allowing outstanding recreation experiences, helping to reduce flooding, and providing vital wildlife habitat. As I mentioned in the introduction, Pennsylvania's moved into the third phase of the Watershed Implementation Plan. But I have to admit, I'm not sure that I completely understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about Pennsylvania's Phase 3 WIP? Certainly, and, and you're not alone. This is, this is a huge effort and, and the outreach and engagement that we need with this at every level is vital. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that today. So the phase three watershed implementation plan, or we call it the phase three WIP, it's an initiative that is I'll say energetically focused on improving the Chesapeake Bay watershed by improving Pennsylvania's water that benefits Pennsylvanians. Uh, the support is necessary to not only achieve the Bay's nutrient pollution goals, but to also really improve our own local, local waters, most importantly. Our guiding principle with this effort is 
clean water is great for PA, but good for the bank. And um, I think that's a really important thing to note. So I'll back up a little bit and explain how we came to the phase three whip. I'll start with a total maximum daily load, also known as a TMDL. It's a pollution budget for discharges, in this case, these nutrients of nitrogen, phosphorus, and also sediment to a water body. Uh, they, it's a budget that's set up to make it possible for that water body to reach water quality standards and ultimately to be restored to health. In other words, a TMDL is a strategy document that's implemented through things like NPDES permitting and other subsequent actions to restore that body, water body's health. The phase three WIP is Pennsylvania's strategy to meet its local water pollution reduction goals under the Chesapeake Bay TMDL that the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, established in 2010. So the Bay watershed spans six states, as you said, and the District of Columbia. Because the jurisdictions each contribute different amounts and types of nutrient pollution to the Bay, EPA assigned each of us a customized pollution reduction target. And each of our jurisdictions, including Pennsylvania, agreed to develop watershed implementation plans, WIPs. These WIPs then lay out the strategies and the methods and the timeframes that Pennsylvania and the other jurisdictions will use to meet our clean water goals in three phases by 2025. That's the phase three WIP. We're in the third and final phase uh, as we go toward the goal of 2025. So EPA also recognizes there's no one-size-fits-all approach, and jurisdictions have the flexibility to create a plan that meets their needs and fits their unique situation. As you know, Pennsylvania looks very different than, say, our partners in Washington, D.C. So it's very important that there's flexibility and adaptability with these plans. The jurisdictions have made great progress on this since 1985 in reducing phosphorus and nitrogen but we all are continuing to work to achieve additional reductions to meet that 2025 goal. In Pennsylvania, we need to further reduce our nitrogen pollution by 34 million pounds, phosphorus pollution by 0.7 million pounds, and sediment pollution by 531 million pounds per year by 2025. Like um, our other jurisdiction partners, we will continue to work in Pennsylvania to use the WIP, and we will also continue to adapt that management approach to meet our goals in 2025, meaning that the WIP is our starting place with this phase three WIP, and we'll continue to move forward with that and adapt it as we go. So people ask, how did you come up with this, this large document, this WIP? Um, and I will say that it was developed from the ground up starting with local development and local solutions. The state agencies uh, led by DEP and many other private and public partners collaborated with local groups to enhance and support these local efforts as fully as possible. We took a ground truth approach and this, this approach grew out of an unprecedented degree of teamwork on the state phase three WIP. Both state, county and local government, agricultural, forestry, wastewater, business, academic, and environmental partners all weighed in and participated in the process. What that's done is it's ensured a phase three WIP that's implementable for Pennsylvania. And this is the key to success, realistic and implementable. Our WIP takes a rigorous adaptive management approach 
Our eyes are on progress and outcomes, making regular assessments and strategic adjustments to the programs and priorities to ensure we achieve the best management practices that our WIP calls for to improve water quality. We will biannually report BMP implementation progress to EPA and our Pennsylvania partners, and EPA then evaluates that progress toward milestones. So you also can follow that progress. We have a website where this is posted and where it's tracked, both for the state level and also our county partners have information on there. So at the county level, you can see what's happening in your county. And you can do that by going to our website at www.dep.pa.gov. And you can type Chesapeake Bay in the search bar in the top corner. And that will get you right to our Chesapeake Bay office site and to the different information about both the WIP and the Chesapeake Bay efforts in Pennsylvania. But I'll say that although it's focused around the Chesapeake Bay TMDL, our real work is working at the local level and with our county partners. So each county has a specific role. Can you provide more detail about the countywide action plans and how they work? And I guess really, what does it even mean for each county? That's a great question, Cheryl. So as part of the development of the phase three WIP, Pennsylvania created a local area goals work group to investigate options and make recommendations on the best strategy for Pennsylvania to meet those nutrient and sediment reduction goals I just mentioned in our watershed. So the numbers, of course, um, feel very large when you look at them statewide because we have such a large portion of this, in our, uh, this area in Pennsylvania. But what this local area goals work group did was consider several geographic options for assigning those local goals to make this more attainable and more realistic. So they looked at 505 different land river segments throughout the watershed, which was just enormously overwhelming with 500, how do you reach out to all these different areas? Uh, they looked at the six sub-basins, and that seemed a little large too. So with input from the Pennsylvania Phase Three WIP Steering Committee, the work group settled on county-based goals as the most feasible in terms of that size and scale, uh, numbers and um, existing data levels, and the ability to organize resources to make this, those numbers more manageable and approachable and realistic. So counties play a key role in this and local efforts are vital to those 2025 goals for healthy water. With support from the state, four counties went first in developing countywide action plans, also known as CAPS. These counties that were, they were Lancaster, York, Adams, and Franklin completed their CAPS and are now in the implementation phase. Four more counties recently began their planning processes, Lebanon, Bedford, Cumberland, and Center are currently in the planning phase. So the Chesapeake Bay office, we are all working actively with each of these eight counties, um, these first eight, and they have the highest nutrient pollution loads. So we're working to, to develop how this works together, starting with that pilot of the first four counties, and now rolling into the next four and working together with implementation and planning to make sure that those caps um, can be customized and realistic and help those folks meet local priorities as well. In coordination with DEP's regional offices, we'll begin working with the other 35 counties later this year. 
these remaining 35 counties will benefit greatly from the lessons that we're learning in these first eight counties. And that's another example of the strength of our from the ground up approach. It makes it understandable and more manageable as, as counties dive into this effort. I want to note that county clean water goals do not create any new regulatory obligations on counties. Rather, they're a way for local partners to engage on shared issues and focus collective resources on efforts that help both their communities and the state and the state meet water quality goals. So the county partners are not alone in this effort. It's definitely a partnership. Pennsylvania supports the team. Um, Pennsylvania has, let me start over there. County partners are not alone in this effort. Um, Pennsylvania has a support team that helps facilitate the development of each county's plan. And this support team includes not only DEP and our Chesapeake Bay office and many of our other programs, but also EPA, the Susquehanna River Basin Commission, and action leaders from the phase three WIP state team. So as needed, this team does a number of things. It provides further explanation of and assistance with local water quality data that might be confusing or not, not make a lot of sense to folks, which is not unusual because data can be, some of the data that we have around water quality can be very complex. Uh, this team can also develop and run scenarios to see how and if action steps might meet reduction goals for a county. And that can help them to tailor a plan that fits best for their county. One county is not going to look like the next county and counties may want to look at different watersheds within their county. So it's important that we give them those opportunities to run scenarios to see which practices might be best for their county. The team also can help plan and facilitate clean water planning team meetings, uh, document meeting outcomes and decisions. It can provide assistance with the completion of the CAP templates as each county builds its plan and also provide a plethora of other helpful resources as needed throughout the process, whether that be training or materials that might be needed to help assist with this process. And what we're finding is that counties really vary in how much support team help they want, and the state team responds accordingly. We respond according to what their needs, their requests are. We meet with them on a weekly basis as a, as a group, and then as individuals as needed there too. But to do that, we also found that we needed coordination at that county level. So DEP is providing state funding directly to counties to hire community clean water action plan coordinators to coordinate and facilitate that CAP planning and the implementation efforts at that county level. And our Chesapeake Bay office trains and provides extensive resource, resources to these coordinators to connect those pieces together. We also use Chesapeake Bay funds. We're providing it to assist counties with implementing their plans. So our first counties that are in the implementation phase, three of them are currently using Chesapeake Bay funds to implement projects on the ground. So we're going beyond talking and into action. So we've also developed many new tools to assist county partners in their planning process. Many of these tools are a direct result of the input we heard from the pilot county participants and other stakeholders that they had coming to the table on what they needed the most from us. 
And these can be found also on our website for anyone who's interested in understanding them on a deeper level. Uh, we created a community clean water guide that speaks to people at all levels within the county about why we're doing this, where it's happening, what's happening, and how. So that's a very helpful tool that people like to look at. Um, we also then created county-specific technical toolboxes for those who are going to be perhaps on the action teams or working at a deeper level to understand what what's going on as far as data and understanding of what's on the ground and what's happening. So those technical toolboxes come with that. Uh, we heard loud and clear that it would be helpful to have standard, more standard information around reporting and narrative templates. So we helped to create this with our county partners input. And also outreach and education webinars and materials were really a need. And so that again is, a, is something that we've been working on with them. So to kind of summarize how this is working, um, we've broken through the efforts with the local area goals work group, we broke this into two phases. So the phase one effort, the one I was talking about earlier with our four county pilots, and then our subsequent four counties, the tier two counties, that began back in 2018. So this has been going on for several years. This has been a, a real work effort starting actually in 2017 with talking to folks, going out and having public meetings and discussing it. So in 2018, phase one kicked off and we focused on those eight tier one and tier two highest nutrient loading counties. They account for 54%. <clears throat> they account for 54% of Pennsylvania's nitrogen pollution load. So during this first phase, we've been not only assisting the four pilot counties in transitioning from cap planning to implementation, but beginning also that process with the four tier two counties um, who are currently in the, in the uh, development phase of their own caps. So they'll continue to work there. We're getting ready to roll out phase two this summer and that's gonna focus not only on the tier one and two counties, the, the first ones, the first eight, but roll into the 35 tier three and four counties that account for 46% of Pennsylvania's remaining nitrogen pollution load. And those, those that work will be done through um, our regional DEP staff support teams. They'll help to assist the counties with developing and implementing their individual caps. And that could extend across counties potentially, that remains to be seen. Are there any major challenges that counties or even Pennsylvania as a whole will face in accomplishing these goals by 2025? There are some major challenges to be sure. Across the board, I'd say, Cheryl, funding and resource issues like personnel, technical expertise and equipment, they're major ongoing challenges. Uh, these needs are continually identified as we implement these plans, which is what's so important about these plans, is that they continue to evolve and we continue to adapt and we continue to search for solutions as we find out what the needs are and what the challenges are. And those challenges lie at both the state and county levels. So we've been really focused on where do we find funding? How do we help with resources? And, and we talk to our county partners often about where they're finding that. And, and the really important thing about this is that it helps us all to look outside of where we're used to just looking and looking at where else we can 
leverage partnerships and build relationships. What I'm finding is, and what we're all seeing is partners at the, not only at the state and local levels, but at the federal level are all working together now to raise awareness about the cost and resource demands that it will take to accomplish our goals by 2025. The numbers are large, I understand. And I think by breaking it down into these pieces like we have, we've been able to understand the scale of this better, uh, but we also know what it's going to take to get there is going to be a lift. Uh, at the same time, we also understand that there are different needs that need to be met, and that's helping us to really address those specifically. Um, some examples of that that have been happening, things are happening fast and in a good way. There are multiple existing, existing already, but also new state and federal programs working to provide funding, for instance. We have the Department of Agriculture um, and the State Conservation Commission working on conservation excellence grants. We have the Ag Plan Reimbursement Program, uh, the CAP implementation grants that I mentioned earlier for counties putting their plans in, in action. Uh, we also have Growing Greener, um, NIFWIF and NRCS grants out there. But we also know that significantly more funding is needed and that continues to be identified and also put out there and shared among partners to note what the needs are. I think that's unique to this plan and that we've actually tried to really quantify what's needed both with funding and resources. We've also identified water quality improvement practices like stream and wetlands restoration going on in Pennsylvania that are currently either on the ground or happening in our Pennsylvania communities, but they're not receiving credit for pollution reduction in the Bay modeling tools. So we're working with our Chesapeake Bay Program Partnership to raise awareness of these Pennsylvania unique or Pennsylvania specific practices to be ensure that we get the full credit and our partners get the full credit for the proactive work that's being done or is going on or that we want to do. So there's a lot of good things going on out there that we want to make sure Pennsylvania is getting credit for. That's really interesting. I don't think I recognize that the issue wasn't just about what's happening on the ground or what, what we need to do, but how it's, um, how it's accounted for you know in the in the bay model and uh recognized for for the impact it has absolutely mm -hmm. over the next two to three months i'm going to invite different guests currently working on various aspects of the whip to share more information about their role and how different communities are impacted planners municipal officials farmers other business owners all have an important role and i think it's important that we share their thoughts one question I know I'm going to ask them is how did they get into this type of work? <laughs> Kristen, we went straight into the details today. So I'd like to backtrack and ask, how did you find yourself in this role? Oh, okay. Uh, that's a great question. Thanks. Um, so um, I find myself in a unique position at, at DEP. My background's in communications. And I also have a strong interest in the environment but more so an even stronger desire, I think, to connect people to each other who are doing great things for the environment and who may not be aware of each other and the opportunities that exist that can assist them with their efforts. So 
I found myself at DEP first in the early 2000s in the communications office there where I learned so much about water programs. I was assigned to the water programs at that time and loved the work I was doing there and, and really enjoyed the people that I worked with. And I enjoyed learning so much from our technical program folks and the information that they provide is so powerful and so important to get out there and communicate. Uh, from there, I moved into other areas of communication and I came back to DEP about five years ago uh, when I heard that the Chesapeake Bay program coordinator position had opened up. Uh, it was a role that always was something I was very passionate about. Um, and I was excited to be able to join the team again and come back in that role. What I find in my career, uh, but also especially in the work I'm doing now, is at the core of everything, I really do find and believe that clear communication and coordination of efforts keep things moving forward. And that raising people up and supporting them along the way are essential to progress in anything we do. So building teams, supporting people in their efforts, connecting those dots, so to speak, are all passions of mine because I really enjoy and really thrive on helping people find answers they're seeking and gaining satisfaction from the work they're doing, but also from not feeling overwhelmed by something. So big projects like this are interesting and exciting when you can break those down into manageable, attainable pieces for folks. So that's what brought me here. And I think what has just really kept me excited about the work that I do. It's never a dull moment. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I don't <laughs> imagine that it is. Um, no. Now, thinking back, can you pinpoint a moment or one particular thing that sparked your interest in working in a conservation-related field? Yeah, I think, I think I can pinpoint some things that were very important to me growing up. Um, I grew up in rural southern Pennsylvania, um, surrounded by farms. Uh, actually, my dad bought land, a piece of land from a farmer that on the hill we grew up on. And so farming was always very much a part of my life. And my father was in agriculture. And we spent a lot of time understanding what that was about and understanding it better growing up and seeing the, the challenges that come with it, but also the good work that farmers do and the, and the good that they do for the land. Uh, at the same time, we would travel down to the Chesapeake Bay and, and play on the bay. So I also understood the connection that we, this you know, very early on that all this water landed somewhere. And so it was always interesting to me to know that. And so I think just from the beginning, always being outside, being in the woods and the forests around our home and being around the farms and also at the same time being on the bay. Always felt like there was a connection for me um, to conservation and just to how important it is to take care of your land and take care of the, what's happening around you. And so that's kind of where I landed with that. That's just been something that's been part of me all my life. Thank you for sharing that. I know, um... I think many in conservation have at least some similar connections, um, but it is interesting to hear how people come into uh, their interests, like conservation and their professions. 
Mm -hmm. it, it does feel, it's really interesting to have it come back around and, you know, to have grown up with that and then to be working now in so much with local communities through um, the work that we're doing and also so much with the agriculture sector now and how much I'm working there. Uh, it's, it's really exciting to be part of that. Great. So before we wrap up, Kristen, I'd like to ask what's next. Um, what will we be hearing about regarding the phase three WIP in the coming months? Well, sure. I think you'll continue to hear from us that that support and the effort we're making day to day with our county partners is going to just keep on going. That's going to be a big part of that as they build and implement those plans that we've talked about today. Um, that will be a big part for us to play. We also want to continue highlighting the good work that is being accomplished at the local level. So we're always seeking um, good news and success stories to hear more and leverage that so that folks can see how it can be done and to learn from each other. So I think the supporter, supporting role will continue to be a big part of our, our, our role here in the Chesapeake Bay office and as part of the phase three with effort. Um, the other thing I think you'll see a lot of in the coming months is uh, behind the scenes, we're doing a lot of outreach and work with our DEP regional office CAP support teams. So you'll be seeing more outreach and support from them to the 35 tier three and four counties. And I think too, um, you noted it earlier, reporting on all of this hard work and the exciting progress Pennsylvania is making. Reporting is gonna be a big part of this. We not only want to hear about those things that are going on, but make sure that at that county level that everything's being accounted for. So working together to continue reporting all that hard work and show the progress Pennsylvania is making to make those numbers feel attainable and more realistic as we go on toward that goal. And I hope in the future, uh, if we're able to talk with you again, or as we talk with others, we're able to share more through this podcast about you know, what's happening. Um, but for today, I'd really like to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to talk with me. I, I appreciate it very much. It's, it's been a pleasure talking with you and learning more about the Chesapeake Bay Watershed Implementation Plan. Thank you. And I hope we have, you know, as I said, I hope we have an opportunity to speak again as the plan moves forward. Welcome that opportunity. I'm happy to come back. And I'd like to thank our listeners for tuning into Capital RCD's Conservation Podcast. You can learn more about the Chesapeake Bay Program and Watershed Implementation Plan on dep.pa.gov or by links you'll find in the episode notes.